0: You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. (laughs) Hey guys, producer Darren here. Have you heard? Cindy Stewart has a new book. It's called New Moves of God. This book will open your spiritual eyes to see what God is doing so you can position yourself to be part of one of the most significant invasions of world culture in kingdom history. It will empower you to step into God's moves as he releases new anointings and new assignments that will far surpass your wildest imaginations. If you're a listener of her podcast, I'm sure that caught your attention. You can get your hands on that book right now. Just visit cindy stewartcom or check out the link in the description or show notes. Again, that's cindy stewartcom Welcome to the Cindy Stewart podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey,
1: here is your host, Cindy Stewart. Hi, I'm Cindy Stewart and welcome to my show. I love that you've come to hang out with me today and you are going to be so blown away because I have a special guest with me that has such an anointing for finance. And who doesn't need an impartation for finance? I know I always do, but she has written a book and it's called The Money Handbook. And we're going to talk about this today and we'll give you all the information of how to order it. But, you know, she's an author. She's an entrepreneur, but not just an entrepreneur. She is a financial entrepreneur. She knows when there is oil on a place to make money, and she's going to talk to us about God's heart for finances, and really just help us to have a bigger picture and turn on those light bulbs for us where we're missing it. So, without further ado, I want to introduce my uh, special guest, Samia Paladino. So, Samia, thank you for being a part of this. I'm so excited. Having me, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. And we have so much to talk about because I know, like I said, you carry an anointing for finance. And that is a powerful thing to carry because not only do you understand the financial part of what the word says, but you also understand the financial part of the world and being able to merge those two together in order to do what Deuteronomy eight eighteen says that God has given us the power to create wealth. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today is that power to create wealth. So, um, as you were writing your book, really, well, let's just start. Tell us a little bit about yourself. The audience loves to hear about you to be able to connect with who you are.
0: Yes. Uh, well, my name's Samia, and I, it's Hebrew, it means God hears. And mm. I was raised in a traditional Jewish home. And in the Jewish culture, it's very common to talk about money, talk about investments. It's something that is discussed regularly. So there isn't like shame around it. There isn't any type of embarrassment if you are able to create wealth. And so because of the type of culture I was raised in, um, it was just very fluid for me. It's almost like a language when you learn finance and you learn how to invest it and you learn how to multiply it. It's almost like learning a language. And so when I was writing this book, my heart behind this book was that I wanted to teach the Christians how to multiply money like the Jews do from a biblical perspective. And um, I am a believer. I'm a Messianic Jew. And so I kind of carry both where, yes, I have the Jewish heritage, um, the covenant blessing, which all of us can walk in because the Gentiles are grafted in, right? And then also I have a lot of uh, finance experience because I was a financial advisor for many years. Mm -hmm. I was in banking. I also owned a small business as well. So I have the entrepreneurial um, experience as well as like corporate finance. And so I really just in this book shared what the Lord has taught me in the secret place. But I also give practical steps of how people can actually build wealth in their own lives. And so I've heard so many testimonies of people that have read this book and how it's just changed their lives in just different ways that the Lord has spoken to them through it and also just the impartation of has. So it's been really, really fun.
1: That is really good. And I know that God has created us to steward money. And for each of us, we have uh, the capacity that he's given us. And I think there's been a lot of misconceptions in the Christian world about money. So in your experience, what is one of the biggest misunderstandings about finances when it comes to God and what he wants to do?
0: I would say probably one of the biggest misunderstandings, um, in the church body as a whole is that they have this belief that being poor equates to being spiritual, almost like it's a sin or like you shouldn't have wealth. And, um, a lot of that stems from like the disconnect of the old Testament to the new Testament. A lot of believers think like, Oh, well, you know, that's Old Testament, like people were wealthy in the Old Testament, like, but it's not for us on New Testament believers, the new covenant. And what I would say to that is, you know, Jeremiah 1 tells us he watches over his word to perform it. Yes. And I think they get confused because there's this that you see, and then there's covenant promises. And the laws Jesus fulfilled, right? Like the laws were sacrificing animals and things like that, which we no longer do because Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. He fulfilled that. But the covenant promises are perpetual, they're forever. And in Psalms 89, it says that my covenant I will not break. He doesn't break his covenant. I will not alter the word that goes out of my mouth. And so it's really um, important for people to know that those covenant promises, it talks about in Galatians three 29, where it says you have access to the promises of Abraham through your faith in Jesus, because you're there that if they connect their faith to that, that they can be walking in the provision in the prosperity of the Lord. And I think um, sometimes when you start using language like prosperity, people get really triggered and they're like, oh. And the reason is, is they have seen uh, believers accumulate prosperity, and then they end up wrapping their pride around it. And they think it's because of them. They get like a Nebuchadnezzar complex. Yeah. And what I would say to that is Timothy tells us in 1 Timothy that if you are wealthy, be rich in extravagant giving. Yeah. And so yeah. the, the issue at hand is that we are called to create wealth with God. Because what happens is that blessing of Abraham that Apostle Paul's talking about, that we have access to, it's so that you're a blessing to the nations. All nations will be blessed through you. And a lot of times that takes finances to have that type of influence and impact. And God is a creator, right? He created the world with his with his words. And so it's in him to create. And we're made into his image. So because of that, when he gives us that power that you mentioned, that word power. in in Hebrew is authority. I give you the authority to create wealth. Authority is your identity as a daughter, as a son. And so it's really linking up what the scripture says to your faith. And it's almost like you're pulling it from the heavenly realm into this realm on earth as it is in heaven of what God has in his heart for you. Because there's a destiny over your finances. Yes, we have gifts and talents, and there's a destiny, a divine destiny for our life of the people we're going to touch and and influence,
1: but it's over your finances, too. It's not just the gifting and the calling in your life. Yeah, I so agree with that. And, you know, it's so interesting because um, one of my favorite scriptures is Genesis 26, where it talks about Isaac, where he sowed in this time of famine. And then he reaped out of that sowing. And sometimes we think that when there's famine or there's economic squeezing that we need to begin to hoard as opposed to sow, as opposed to bless, as opposed to uh, a poor end of what we're doing. And what happens is when we begin to hoard or begin to cling on or be afraid of the economic restraints, then it just creates a cycle of uh, of poverty within us instead of a cycle of provision for us. And I know you talk a little bit about that in your book about this cycle of provision for us. Can you elaborate that on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, if
0: you look at Deuteronomy 28, it talks a lot about blessings. The first half of the chapter, you'll be blessed in your coming in and you're going out, your barns will be blessed. Your land will be blessed. Your womb will be blessed. Your family will be blessed. You know, it's like every aspect of your life. And what's important to realize is that provision and prosperity from the Lord, it's not just money. It's favor, it's open doors. It's It's like when things are unexplainable so that God has to get the glory. That is true biblical prosperity. It's so much more than money. Money is just a tool yeah. that God will use. It's a method. And so when you talk about, you know, the provision from the Lord, a lot of times he'll put something in people's hearts to do. And in the same way, when he told Abraham to go up that mountain of Moriah with Isaac mm-hmm. and he gave him that command, he provided the lamb. So yeah. when he calls you to do something, he will provide And it's interesting because, you know, on that same mountain, that's where Jesus died. He was the ultimate sacrifice. So everything God does, has a purpose in it. But I think it's really important that um, people realize that that covenant that he made, that it it still stands today. In fact, um, in Hebrews 8, it says that Jesus, through his ministry of being the head of the priesthood, it's a better covenant with more wonderful promises. So the new covenant, as new covenant believers, it's actually a better promises, mm-hmm. right? And a better covenant than even what Deuteronomy 28 is talking about.
1: So that it's powerful so, to you. realize that that's what we're under. Yeah, that is so good too. And, you know, really bridging the old covenant with the new covenant, it is one God, you know, and yes. and he wants us to understand the fulfillment, like you were just talking about, is a better promise to us. So there is a better provision for us, uh, through this new covenant through Jesus Christ. And I want to touch on something because, uh, and we'll probably come back to the covenant, but I want to touch on something because I know that, and I've heard this, that God called you and your husband out of where you were and sent you to Ready. And I want you, you to share a little bit about that, because sometimes people think, well, they've written this book, but really, have they lived it? And I know just hearing your story and what has occurred just even over the last couple of years, it was just like a um, turning the basket over and starting all new. So tell us a little bit about that journey for you and the provision and the sewing into what God's called you to do.
0: Yes, and I want to build faith in the people that are listening, yes so, My husband and I, um, we are from South Florida, from like the Palm Beach area, and the Lord called us to move to Northern California in the Reading area, and it was really hard because all of our family is in South Florida, and I have two little kids, so it's nice to have this community and support system, but... You know, we did it, we sold the house, sold the business, all the things, moved across country, which literally we might as well have moved to Europe because that's how far it is, <laughs> Florida to California. It is. And it was really scary. We really, you know, did it in faith, pretty much liquidated our lives and started over, which um, is a lot at risk when you have small children. So once we got to ready, the Lord spoke to us about taking the land in Joshua one, except he was very literal about it. So we started to buy up vacant lots and land, and this was in 2020, and it was right after um, just we all had been asked to stay home to sleep with COVID, and like the scripture you mentioned in Genesis 26 about Isaac, I was really actually standing on that scripture because I was like, okay, Lord, like Isaac... You prospered him in a drought like there was no rain and he was having a hundredfold in his crops. A hundredfold a lot when there's not a drought, let alone when there is. And so we pursued that path of um, real estate investing, real estate developing, and the Lord, his hand was on it and we were able to put a team together and start building homes and selling them. Um, And so that is the path that we're currently on is the, uh, is like the realm of real estate. But, you know, we invest in the stock market and, We invest in startup companies. We're really just more investor entrepreneurial. And I talk about those things in the book because I think that believers need to be educated and have um, literacy in this area of finance so that they too can hear from the Lord. And it might not be real estate for them. The Lord might just download a blueprint of a company for them to do them. He may show them um, a new product that they can launch to market or a new type of business that they can open. You know, God creates... And so So, he will put that in us and it's just been a really beautiful and wild journey of trust and, and and knowing that he's Jehovah Jireh, the
1: God who It's the truth too. And that's a big jump to go from really you're completely across the the country, number one, and then starting to buy up land in a time where they're shutting everything down. Right. And, and you're just standing on that, God, we know that this is what we've heard And we just trust that we're going to walk. It's Deuteronomy 28. It talks about if you obey the Lord, these are the blessings that will follow you. So we're going to step into this and obey you. And we trust that your blessings will follow us in whatever way is your very best for us. And, you know, so many times we try to project what it should look like. But God's very best seldom looks like what we think. It's always a lot better. It's always a lot better. And just think about not only did you buy up land, but so you invested in the community, but you provided jobs for people to help build houses. And then you provided houses for people uh, that were looking to move into a residence like that. So it's just like this cycle of favor, blessing, financial prosperity that you were able to pour into Uh, Really, Reading's a fairly small city. Um, It is. Just out of you and your husband's obedience. Obedience to the Lord. Yes, And And I I would encourage anyone
0: listening. Yeah, encourage anyone who's listening that, like, if they feel called to step out in faith, do anything that involves financial risk, and they really feel like the Lord told them to do it, the one piece of advice and encouragement I would give them is the same heart posture that Moses had when he's like, Lord, I'm not going unless you come with me. Yes. Every day to have that heart posture, Lord, I'm not going unless you come with me. Help me hire the people I need to hire. Thank you for divine connections. Thank you that I will, oh, yeah. that I will put the right people around me and my team like the Lord knows your strengths and your weaknesses and the people who can complement that. And he'll bring them to you to accomplish the desires and the the destiny that are over your life.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I loved about your book is it really gave very, did I show it already? It's such an amazing book. And, um, my husband and I love the whole financial arena. We are, uh, entrepreneurs are we're pastors of a church. We love the fact that God uses finances as a tool to not only prosper others, but provide jobs for others, uh, stretch us bring us bring us kingdom influence because we're in a financial position to influence people who aren't believers. Uh, so we we just love the economics of God, the real economics. And in your book I I really uh went through all the practical steps you talk about, the generational wealth you talk about, the buckets which I love and I want you to kind of share some of this that you feel like would be the key elements um for the people who are listening because a lot of people hear about finances they just don't know how the how to is what they're missing it's not that their heart isn't for it they just actually don't know how to do it so talk about some of the practical steps that will help them get started and of course they need to buy your book because it really <laughs> is so i mean seriously when you when you know that there's a move of god on a certain arena and finances right now is a move of god There is no two ways about it. I've seen people's debt being paid off. I've seen sudden um, uh, increases, raises, promotions that never should have occurred. I, I saw people that should have lost their job because of the COVID situation ended up not only retaining their job, but getting raises to stay at their job and bonuses. So God uses every situation to shift. And right now he's using finances to shift, to shift our thoughts, to shift our position, and to help us to get, number one, debt free, because we know that that is a yeah. stranglehold. Uh, credit card debt, certain types of debts just stranglehold us. But I am seeing an anointing on money. It's just an anointing right now. So help us understand some of the practical steps we can take to partner with God in this anointing He's releasing right now.
0: Yes. So the step would be to get rid of any short-term debt which is essentially any type of debt you have that has really high interest which is generally credit cards and Mm -hmm. i give examples in the book and ideas but usually you can most people can do this in 12 to 18 months and you can get a side hustle you can do instacart you can do something online from home to make just some type of side hustle to add extra income that is used to pay that debt down. Because a lot of times, whatever's coming into the household, there's not enough extra, which is why they leave the credit card debt in the first place. So it's a sacrifice, you know, getting a second job or um, whatever that looks like to pay the debt down. But it's worth it. to to get rid of it. So once there's no short term debt, the next step is to have a bit of an emergency fund, have some cash reserves for around three months. So that if anything, you know, another pandemic or anything comes across where you don't have income coming in, there's money in the bank to cover your basic like rent, food, gas expenses. So once you have no short-term debt, and you have money in the bank, then you're in a position where you can start investing and you can start mm. having your money multiply for you. And the two greatest ways for people to build their wealth, the first one is real estate. And the second way is the stock market those are the two greatest ways. Like, yes, people make money when they own businesses. Yes. You know, people make money, bring a product to market, but yeah. the easiest entry is, is having investment properties where all you do is you come up with a down payment and then the renter ends up paying off your mortgage for you, or you have a portfolio of stocks from the stock market and it averages around the, the stock market over the last 10 years averages around 10% a year. Some years it's up, some years it's down, but it's a long term. I think the issue is a lot of people like want to make like, money next. Year. We sort of have come out of this like crypto bubble where everybody made a ton of money really quick. And the problem yeah. with that is you end up your soul ends up attaching greed to it. So, you know, the Bible actually doesn't say that debt is a sin. It warns against it, but it doesn't say it's a sin, but it does say greed is a sin. So you really want to make sure the soil of your heart can handle increase because as you're able to steward it well, the Lord will give you more. And one of the keys, I believe, to protecting yourself from greed is giving. Yeah, It's a battle strategy. And I know it's a touchy subject when you start talking about giving and tithing, because and, <laughs> again, people you are know, that's Old Testament. It is. But what I would say to that is, you know, it's funny when, I, I actually kind of laugh when people say that. The Old Testament, um, when it talks about when the law is given for the tithes, do you know that there's actually three tithes, you guys? The first one was the 10% to the priesthood, so they could like operate the temple and do the sacrifices. And it was the second tithe they were required was for the festivals because the mm-hmm. lord was like put money aside because there's seven high holy days through the year and they didn't work they'd like travel to jerusalem and celebrate these festivals so it is very holy for you to take a vacation with your family and the third time well, they put money every three years for the widow and the orphan so it was more than 10 percent. Was... you guys have you know and that was the old testament and jesus is like hey he's a higher standard right
1: yeah
0: he's like if you lust with somebody you've created adultery if you have Hatred in your heart the created murder. It's like an even higher standard. So what I would just encourage people is having a generous heart. It's the sowing and the reaping and partnering with the Lord. It's like your bank account is a joint bank account with heaven. And it's like, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this 10% or whatever it is. I know that you're going to bless the other night because there's nowhere else in the scripture where he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake yes. if you do this. That's so right. I think that um, that is what keeps you from greed is living that generous lifestyle.
1: Yeah, that's really good. And I know that some people believe in the Christian world that if they uh, because of the new covenant, that tithing is no longer a part of it. What do you say to that? I believe you address that in your book some too, don't you?
0: Yeah. Um Look, you don't no have to kid. tithe. You'll still go to heaven, but you're going to miss out on a lot of fun stuff with Jesus. Here. A lot of blessing. Yeah.
1: Well, I read uh, a study. A story. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I read a study okay. that it it's said okay. that if every Christian tithe in the world, that we would wipe out hunger. We would wipe out disease. There would be no poverty. Because uh, I think uh, the statistic is what about 20% tithe or something like that. But if every mm-hmm. Christian tithe, We would completely transform the economic shape of our whole world, not just America, not just Europe, but the whole world. So tell us your story. Yes, I believe it. Um, It's the it's a it's a Jesus
0: when he's talking to the Pharisees and they it's in the New Testament and they were um, they were tithing their like herbs and he addressed it. and He's like, I see that you're you're tithing these herbs and that's good, but you're forgetting to take care of. The people around you yeah and i just really believe that if he wanted to do away with tithing he would have right then but instead he was like hey it's good that you tithe but don't forget about your neighbor and your family and it comes back to loving the lord your god with all your heart mind and soul and your neighbor as yourself and we even see that um in the heart of god you see that because. In the Jewish culture, they were called to leave the edges of their field untouched so that if a foreigner came or a widow came, they could get the barley and the grain. And you see that in the story of uh, Ruth and Naomi, when Naomi mm-hmm. sent her off to go get, and she wasn't an Israelite, she was like a Moabite. And she was able to collect the food on the on Boaz's land. And so it's just like generosity. It's having that that mindset that it's helping others, it's being a blessing to others. If you wanna walk in that covenant blessing and that he made with Abraham, which was you, he told Abraham, you will be a blessing to the nations. It takes generosity. It takes being willing to have a giving heart to do that. So when people think, oh, tithing, it's just Old Testament. You know, I, I strongly disagree. But Apostle Paul even said, you know, based on your income every week, give. Yeah. According to your heart, don't let, anyone, don't let anyone right give according. Like he loves a cheerful giver. Yeah, and, and that thing about it is yeah. No, go ahead. The, go ahead. The biggest thing I would say, the biggest thing about giving, is it detaches you from this worldly system. Yes. and it puts that money into God's kingdom, into people doing the work for God. Because in heaven, like I don't think I'm pretty. You know, money in heaven, right? Like the currency in heaven is soul Because that's what Jesus died for. That's like the greatest prize is people. But here on earth, we're dealing with this monetary system. And so if you can take it out of the evil and put it into what God is doing, he'll bless it. I'm telling you, it's more
1: about spiritual warfare than anything else. People are like missing the point.
0: Generality is a key.
1: I have never thought of it in terms of spiritual warfare. That is like all of a sudden this light bulb went off and I'm like, absolutely. (laughs) What? This is ridiculous, God. He is, I mean, he really does unfold these revelations and mysteries for us. And one thing I just want to add, because I want you to have time to pray over everybody and impart, but uh, when you become a giver, what happens is people start giving and pouring over you and you're like, wait a minute, don't give me things, but that's, part of the uh, blessings of God is people just can't help it. They just want to pour into your life too, right? Yeah. So I'm going to invite you to pray over everyone and just release that blessing that God's put on your heart for them.
0: Yes. I actually would love to pray the um, Numbers 26 prayer. I'm going to pray in Hebrew and then I'll translate to English. That's that's great. Thank you, Jesus. We bless the audience that is listening today. I thank you, God. You are a wealthy God, and that your desire is for your children to create wealth with you. Mm-hmm. And I just speak over them. Adonai May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, his perfect peace. And may your faith connect to the financial promises that are your inheritance
1: in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with me. And thank you for watching today. I know you're going to receive a financial blessing from this. And remember, you're the best investment you can make because God invests in you every single day. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged.
0: If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stuart.com.